Hello and welcome to the Texas Apartment Association's Education Foundation series, Hints from HR. If this is your first time tuning in, this is a series centered around tips that may help in locating an ideal career for the job seeker and vice versa for the seeking organization. I'm Blaise Fidelari, the Business Development Manager with Gemstar Construction. On the program today, we'll be discussing job descriptions. We're going to take a swing at understanding the purpose of job descriptions and how and if they are really helping us get the talent we need. Job descriptions are typically the first step in attracting the most ideal candidates for your organization. Without further ado, let's meet our panel today. Joining the program, we have Becca Ramadi, the VP of TAAEF. Hello. The Kathy Lee to my Regis, Nicole Block. And our expert <laughs> joining us brings more than 15 years of HR experience focused on HR strategy and change management within the multifamily construction and engineering industries. Joining BH in 2014 as the HR manager and now currently serving as the VP of HR, she holds a bachelor's in business and HR management and is currently wrapping up her master's in leadership and organizational development. She is a fan, a huge fan, I should say, of true crime, a young lady that says she can't wink or whistle, but she surely knows how to work. Welcome, uh, Charlotte Flores. Hi. So, Charlotte, we're here to discuss job descriptions today. You know, historically, job descriptions are often something that gets dusted off every so often when a position opens up, and they, nobody really puts much thought to it to see if it fits the current needs of the job or the property. Uh, Charlotte, tell us your thoughts on what we should be generally thinking about as for job descriptions. Well, one of it is, part of it is changing kind of the mindset most of the time. And I mean, myself included for a long time, it's just they're kind of they're necessary for compliance, for performance assessment, for all of these other things that it's kind of a check the box. And so it was it's trying to shift that, that it's really more of a looking at what you need now, trying to anticipate what you're going to need from that role in the future, revisiting those job descriptions Anytime you have to hire in new for that role to make sure that you are, you know, that job description that may be five years old, that it's not just kind of copy and paste and you're posting the job the way it has been for several years, which I think is that, I mean, it's a bigger undertaking. So I think that's why a lot of people just kind of, here's what the job is. It's what it's always been. The job description hasn't really changed other than we've added some years of experience here or maybe a couple of extra tasks to the job in itself. So I think that there's also you know, to the compliance piece of it too, is that they continue to grow in generality. So, you know, to your point, you know, Charlotte, like they're going to come in and they're going to add and they're going to add, but we very rarely are editing, you know, and so before you know it, you might have a 10 page job description, <laughs> you know, for a leasing consultant um, that, you know, we kind of joked earlier when we had, when we were talking on our calls that, you know, you might have to be able to lift 50 pounds 20% of the time or something so random um, that kind of goes back to probably some sort of you know, compliance or, or some sort of standard that everyone has to meet. You know, so I think that these job descriptions are vague, you know, in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. And, and that's for flexibility too. I mean, I, I totally get that. But we very rarely edit them. We can, we try to, I think we continue to add more and more data and it doesn't necessarily serve the, the purpose to get the right candidate. Yeah. And being now it's 2021 and we all just went through the year of 2020, uh, definitely a catalyst of change. You know, COVID has changed a lot of responsibilities and the skills that we need to be successful at work. Maybe, Charlotte, do you want to touch base on how this past year has helped us do a better job of planning for 2020, uh, 2021 with all this rapid change, rapid testing and what's uh, what's going on? <laughs> 
Well, I think, right, 2020 was definitely, everyone was kind of in survival mode, trying to figure out how to rally around and go with all of the changes that were sometimes daily. And so if you think about, from an operations standpoint, what changed in your business in 2020, and then looking at, well, what changes do you then have to make to job descriptions, or how has that fundamentally changed the job that all of your team members Mm -hmm. are doing day to day now? with all of the changes that had to be implemented because of anything COVID related. So um, a lot of what, especially what we're seeing is is just that increased dependence on the technology, being comfortable with doing virtual tours or FaceTiming as you're touring an apartment or a unit and, you know, recording videos instead of kind of that in-person interaction and just having individuals that are comfortable with that because it's, it's a shift, right? A lot of the training is geared toward closing the deal, that sale, that in-person interaction or the customer service from an in-person perspective. And now it's, we don't have a lot of that. And in a lot of cases, that's, you know, foreseeable future. We don't know when that ever gets back to what it was pre-COVID or if it does. So that technology is huge. Yeah. And the technology piece for the, you know, like you just mentioned with the, with the leasing associates or any of the office associates, excuse me, you know, if this is something now that's going to become the expectation, then they are going to have performance management that's going to be tied along with that. Um, so do we back it up and put it in the job description? And <clears throat> excuse me, what does that look like? You know, comfort with technology um, means something much different right now than it did five years ago, two mm-hmm. years ago. You know, so I think being specific about being able to adapt to changing technologies and being comfortable having a physical presence on social media, you know, having, a, you know, yourself be, you know, potentially being on a Facebook live, you know, who knows? <laughs> um, but I think that the, you know, I think that that is key to be able to talk about it. And I know when we spoke before, you know, we also talked about the catalyst for the maintenance teams, because I know traditionally just maintenance teams in general have been some had an aversion to coming aboard with technology just with using the computer, you know? So I think that right. our industry was already so far behind. So I think this, 2020 cat it pushed them probably further faster, but they're still not caught up. Um, right. So, you know, talk a little bit about what we discussed as far as job descriptions for what you're seeing in the maintenance world, um, you know, maybe with introduction of, of tablets and, you know, really being virtual. Um, talk to us about what you guys are seeing. BH, I mean, we did move to a mobile maintenance platform prior to COVID, but I think it's that increase, you know, that dependency on now that your you know, for a period of time, we were just doing emergency work orders or, um, you know, things like that. And so you've gotten where, you know, you've got teams, maintenance teams that are, they're, they're hands-on, right? They're fixing their, so having them, you know, sit down or have to carry their phone around or have to have a smartphone. And we have lots of people that for all the reasons don't want a smartphone or don't have a smartphone, um, or like you mentioned, like the tablets, that's huge too. And it's not only now am I trying to teach you this new software that you have to use to do your job, but you also have to be comfortable using the device we're giving you. But I think sometimes there's always people that are later to the party as far as adapting. So sometimes it's a wink, wink or a nod, nod to where a property manager might help, you know, their service manager with the, um, you know, that part of the administrative part of the, of the job. And with COVID, um, a lot of people went to, you know, again, the offices were closed or they had to stay six feet apart. Sometimes maintenance had to stay outside. They, they couldn't come mm-hmm. in the office per se very often. So now they're doing their payroll through an app on their phone. Um, so you're seeing a lot more missed punches or missed time and, and, you know, they're struggling with that. Or now they're really doing the service requests and communications and portals and 
Um, so I think that they're actually doing more hands-on than they might've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and now again, those ones are, I think are still behind, you know, because now mm-hmm. they're going to come up and everybody else has jumped forward now. Um, so I think that that really should be something I'm glad that you guys are looking at it uh, for job descriptions because it's, um, it's definitely going to affect how you hire, you know, cause now right. it's different. I mean, 100%, if you want them to be successful, mm-hmm. uh, they need that skill set too. Well, and it's yeah. important that they um, even remember to think about job descriptions and all these changes that have happened because of 2020 and COVID that um, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's something that, you know, as we said, can stay, you know, on the to-do pile for a long time. But as you both are talking, it seems more and more important that those things get updated. The only the only way we're, co- you know, communicating now with our residents, I guess not the only way, but the majority the way we're communicating is not as much in person. And that's where traditionally our service teams have just been such an integral part of that team for renewal retention. They're in the units, they're, you know, they're communicating with everyone and and building value. And so we have to help them to learn how to build value in a virtual environment. Absolutely. And also, so talking about like the remote environments and setting that up for success, how is that going to be included in the job description? And also just the second part, this, you know, technology had been a part of our industry for a while, and I'm excited to see this catalyst for change, you know, that everybody is moving very quickly to make sure that we have all the technology in order, we have all the processes and procedures that we're going to need. But I also think that other part of it, too, is maybe working remotely and what that structure looks like in the individual's lives, too, and what then your organization is also looking for. If you can touch a little bit on the 18 part question I just threw. <laughs> I'll just I'll wing it and you can tell me if I missed anything. Um, no, I think a lot of it too, especially when you talk about job descriptions or when you're interviewing and looking for candidates, right? Because a lot of it is remote, especially when you get to a lot of the corporate offices. Um, there's there's two parts, right? It's one being comfortable with that, recognizing that you are going to start a new company, new team, and you're probably not going to meet anybody in person for who knows, right? Maybe ever, right? Um, And then as you're looking at leaders, managers, supervisors that you're bringing in to manage these teams, there's a whole different layer of team building, a whole different competency skill set that you're thinking through because you have to be able to manage in a virtual environment, which is not easy, especially when you're spread out, when there is no, hey, you know, yep, I can really just meet you down the street or something when something comes up. And that's not an option in a lot of cases. So it just, I think it's, there is more emphasis on not only are you going to be able to thrive in an environment where you probably aren't going to be sitting with a team or have that immediate kind of exchange or that collaboration, but can you manage and lead other people in the same environment? Key, totally key. And managing remotely is something that is, one, one it's a skill too. I mean, and, and you have to foster that skill. So you can't just, to your point, zip down the street, you know, and, uh, and, and be there in person but you have to figure out a way to make connections and be intentional. And also um, you're having to empower your associates more faster because mm-hmm. you can't physically be there. So they're having right. to potentially ask the question, you know, walk with the vendor, make the, you know, make the decision, you know, whatever it might be um, with you and them maybe talking on the phone or like this. And, mm-hmm. you know, but also they have to, they have to build that with their teams. And it's a, it's a much different skill set. And I think that it's something that, We've seen people flourish during mm-hmm. that, you know, during 2020, yep. and we've seen people struggle, you know, because they're used to not, or they're, they're not used to this new format. So right. adaptability will be key uh, for remote learning, but managing it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's something we have to focus on. 
So we're talking about, too, updating your job descriptions. So like really bringing them current to what our current needs are. Now, historically, and I don't know if a lot of people have been doing this, like maybe reevaluating every year to find out what those needs are. But traditionally, has it been taboo to change uh, a job description that's been in place for so long? Are there any kind of performance metrics that are tied to them that, you know, indicated why this job description is the way it is? If you care to share a little bit of a thought on that, Charlotte? I think a lot of times it's really hard, especially if you've had people that have been in a role for a while or you you start to try to tailor the job description to the person. So if you've got multiple people in the same role, that's where that's a challenge sometimes. Um, but I, I also think that um, when you're revisiting, looking at kind of what it is that you really need, trying not to... Like I said, you have to kind of anticipate or, or understand what the role is now, but also anticipate what you need it to be in the future. Or I've got three people in this role already. So now that we're adding to that, I need somebody else to bring something else to or whatever. That, like you're looking at everybody and it's really hard to separate the person in the job already from what you're really saying you need in the role. Charlotte, what about what about on property? What if one property needs something very different than another? But that never happens, right? No, no. Becca, you're way off base. Yeah, way right. off base. It's the same, right? It's the same. I mean, you have your your leasing consultants, your community mm-hmm. managers, your maintenance supervisors. But if you've got a property that is, you know, under rehab or other, you know, depending on different situations, different clients, whatever is going on at the property, larger property, smaller property it's the same, right? It's, we have the same job description for every role on site, but it really does depend on the property. And there's so many other dynamics of the property that tie into the person that you should be looking for when you're adding. Well, and that's, and that's the trick with the job description is it has to be, you know, generic enough to apply across all platforms, you know, it has to be Mm -hmm. generic enough to be, to represent your company in that position and then, but, and give it some breathing room for the team dynamic that is specific to a high rise versus a mid rise versus affordable versus, you know, whatever, you know, mixed right. use, whatever it might be that, that, that they are potentially going to be supporting. Um, but to your first question of the 18 part question, Blaze, you know, <laughs> why is it that we don't do it is it's, it's a huge undertaking. You know, if you think about, if you look at that job description and because of how we have done it for the past couple of decades, for sure, is is what they are as opposed to what they probably could be It's in the yeah. ripple effect of that action. So we go through and take three, six, nine months of, you know, um, strategy, asking questions. You know, I know Charlotte, we talked about, you know, who do you talk to, you know, about the role? Do you talk to their supervisor or do you talk to the person in the role? You know, because it'll be a different right. answer. Um, mm-hmm. we, we also talked about that there are new positions being created all the time that weren't around last year? Do we create the position and then 90 days after kind of talk through, okay, now what is it you're actually doing now that you're right. here? So yeah. I think the undertaking is so it's a, it's huge. A lot. Yep. Yeah. And, and you have to really strategize on what the structure is going to be, where do you start and then execute on it. So it could take a year, Blaze. I mean, it really literally could take a year to do it right. And so when you think about the year that we've had just surviving in 2020, yep. I think that's what is, is is holding us back a little bit. So to speak on that point then as well, um, I don't know how often y'all would do it, but do you survey those people in those positions? Do you 
do you give a more realistic view of what the job description should include? And how do you go about doing that? How often is that? Is that just for new positions? Is that for positions that have been there forever? You know, you also mentioned earlier about, you know, lifting 50 pound requirement. <laughs> I know a lot of people haven't been to the gym lately. So is that even necessary right now from the new way and, and if you're a remote worker, I mean, not trying to be funny, but again, like if you are a remote worker, you know, if your purse is 50 pounds, that's your own prerogative, <laughs> right? Like what are, what is it that you're lifting? And I think that's. My purse is not 50 pounds. It's okay. It's good, six, that's seven, good. Cause five. it's really bad for your back. Just so you know. <laughs> I know. I can't even find my purse half the time being in a COVID world. Like when it's ready, when I need to go to the grocery store. I'm like, where's my wallet? Where's my mask? Right. You know? mm-hmm. I don't even know where my purse is, you know, but I think that that's, that's true in looking at asking those, you know, those questions, um, you know, but also true to what Charlotte said too, is that we, but we still have to, you know, I mean, we, right. we still have to start the process. And I think that the BH is, is, you know, is really keen and focused on it, which I, I think is going in the right direction. Yeah, we definitely, right. You think about 2020 also and all of the things that you had planned for 2020 initiative wise, or just, you know, other goals or anything that you had in 2020. And it was Nope, we're putting all of that on hold. We just have to get through this year. We don't know what's going to happen. So we'll revisit all of this in 2021. So now it's finding time to bake this into everything that you put on hold that you're now resuming. So, I mean, it just adds another layer to where do we make time to do this and how do we approach it? And to be honest, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we're still trying to figure it out. The ripple effect of 2020 still isn't over. Right. We still have financial implications. We still have eviction moratoriums. We still have all kinds of local state and you know national ordinances that we're still not we, we still don't know the real effect and so we're also kind of in a holding pattern blaze because you know when do we pull the trigger because you know when are we going to see the full impact and i think that's another reason not that it's justifiable um, but we're also starting the year behind because we're making up for 2020 and then trying to like charlotte said put in initiatives for 21 it is still just daunting Right. Yeah, there's still a lot of question marks, I feel like. And, you know, it's it's evolving. It's evolving quickly, I, I feel. But, yeah, there's still a lot of question marks on how do we approach this. And I can definitely feel that. But that's why we're having these conversations, right? Absolutely. To start thinking about this, start preparing. You know, what could we look forward to? Well, and we're still hiring, right, Charlotte? Yeah, sure. Are we still hiring? And you still, <laughs> need those, you, know, you still need those job descriptions and you want to get the best talent you can. So let's talk a little bit, if it's okay, Blaze, about, you know, the job seekers perspective and what they can learn from a job description, maybe how to decode it a little bit and how to then put themselves, you know, their best foot forward. Yeah, Charlotte, if you want to take the lead on that. (laughs) Well, right. That's uh, in terms of decoding, right. There's a lot of companies that you have the job posting itself, which is not necessarily the same as the actual job description because you're trying to appeal to attract whatever that looks like. So making the, you know, the actual posting more fun. And so um, the flip side of that is sometimes you get too detailed and now you have this, you know, three page, you know, job description or job posting where it's like, well, I don't know if I'm reading it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to apply to that job. That seems pretty overwhelming just in the beginning. Um, but the other piece to that is just even looking at um the language that you're using when you're posting the job and in your job description, you know, are you, are you discouraging, you know, are you using overly masculine language in the posting and in the job description that might discourage women from applying for that job or overly feminine, or are you like 
the leasing consultant, going back to that, are you saying that you need to have three years experience for a job that you really probably don't need because it's going to discourage anybody looking to maybe get their foot in the door in property management or try something different in a sales customer service type role that you're going to discourage because they don't have that going in? I think that the wording is pretty important, um, but that goes back to figuring out what it is you need and then tailoring that to the candidate pool you're trying to attract. Yeah. And, and at what point do you introduce the job description? I think that, you know, to your point, if you're posting, um, but as a job seeker, if you're looking at the job, um, not to get too discouraged, because there's plenty of, you know, they're putting out there an idyllic candidate, candidate, excuse me, they'll normally say what's not negotiable and what is, you know, right. they'll normally say, you know, you must have a XYZ, or they'll say this is preferred. Well, preferred, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is absolutely a necessity. So I think mm-hmm. making parallels to the, you know, the decoding will be, you know, what type of customer service experience do you have that parallels with this industry or what type of, you know, um, problem solving or leadership or, you know, whatever those things might be, um, you know, because we're hiring for aptitude and potential, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. attitude, right? So it's, it, so I think that as a job seeker, there are parallels to make and in, in not being afraid to take what you have done and then you know, kind of mix that together with what you could do um, and be able to to speak on it. That's important too, not to uh, to understand that there are some wording that can exclude some certain candidates. And uh, we would want to be conscious of that and conscientious of that to not want to exclude people for a specific way that we phrase a job description. Mm -hmm. Uh, is, Is there anything more specific that you want to touch on that topic? At all? Yeah, I know a lot of companies, you've got your DEI initiatives or you've got that embedded in your culture. And I think so that's where it's a good idea, even if you're not prepared to do the full on kind of let's survey the different people in the different roles and redo all of the job descriptions. It's not a bad idea to go back and check and just look at how things are worded. Mm-hmm. But check with if you've got a DEI committee, maybe have them look at it. If you've got an interview committee where it's made up of a bunch of, you know, it's a diverse. Um, group of people have them look at it just because it's not intentional. Again, it's that copy and paste. The job description's probably been the same. You had verbiage approved by legal, whatever it is, and you're not even thinking through kind of how that could be discouraging to just about anybody you could think of. Like you just, it's not something that you think of when you're sitting there going through job descriptions. Here's a hint from HR. DNI, I'm going to (laughs) decode diversity and inclusion. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, DEI. Yeah, but I I would say that the focus on that, I mean, definitely is, you know, it, and it's timely and we want to make sure that we're, you know, as we're bringing people in, um, that we're giving, you know, our getting everyone an opportunity, of course, to come and join our fantastic industry. And then we're giving our industry just a, a broader choice of qualified candidates, which is, which is a win-win in both situations. We talked about remote uh, working as well. And at one point of this, I had to shut my camera off quick and yell to my kids to cut it out <laughs> because I hear them on the other side. So I hope that didn't come through, but that's one of those adaptability traits that we need to get in our new modern world for when yeah. we are remote working. I think when you think through competencies for each of your roles, adaptability, resiliency, like all those were like buzzwords for 2020. I think they just continue into 2021. Well, and, and like we talked about on the interviewing segment from Hints from HR is that, so if those are the buzzwords, right? Then how do you back into questions during interviewing so that the candidate can display those characteristics or not? 
You know, mm-hmm. so I think people, again, they're thinking, ooh, I need someone who's adaptable. I need someone who's resilient. And then go back and listen to our interview prep, you know, and make sure that that's part of your process so that you're asking the right questions for them to be able to prove they are resilient or prove they are right. adaptable. Um, because too many times we use those buzzwords and we think everyone knows what they mean, <laughs> you know, um, and we we don't ask specific questions to get us, you know, and the candidate to the to the best answer. Yeah, interview questions is like, I mean, I get why it was a whole separate topic, right? Because you, yeah. just, I mean, this is <laughs> from job descriptions to interview questions, like, I think we could probably spend another four hours talking about that. Lightly, yeah. So here's a, <laughs> here's a question. So we talked about this a little bit, but I don't know that we got a good answer. When do you recommend the job description be introduced, if not at the job posting? So some of the most effective interviews that I've had in just in my career have been when that's where your talent acquisition or your recruiting team comes in because it's the job posting. When you set up that initial phone screen or that initial interview with your talent acquisition team, that's when the, you know you have the conversation, ask the questions, like things seem to be going well. And it's like, great, like I want to send you the actual job description, like take a look at it. Do you have questions? You know, talk, kind of talk through it then instead of throwing it out there immediately in the job posting or, or whatever. And, and not to say either one's right or wrong. That's just what's been most helpful in, in my experience. Yeah. And I would probably concur with that. You want to ensure that the candidate has potential, you know, and mm-hmm. you feel good about, you want to talk further with them about the opportunity and then send that job description. But I think before you hit send to everyone out there, make sure you feel good now about what you're sending. You know, <laughs> is it, well, and I think that, you know, that we, we are having this conversation, Charlotte, because we want everyone else to have this conversation and start it because what we're mm-hmm. starting now might not bear fruit till the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So be cognizant of what you're sending in that job description. Is it really a portrayal of your company? You know, we talked about culture. We talked about, you know, again, what characteristics we're looking for. Um, or is it just something that you, that you've had for 10 years and you're sending it as generic? Um, I, I don't know that it serves a purpose at that point. So you, you just make sure right. you feel good about what you're sending. And to your point on culture, that's something else too, is just your job descriptions the roles, anything that you're posting for when you're advertising or looking for talent, does all of that align with your company's values or their mission right. or because it's an afterthought, right? It's because a lot of people, myself included, you start talking about, okay, we've got to update job descriptions and you can hear the eye roll. It's like, okay, oh. here we go. <laughs> Not realizing, right? It's so much bigger than that. And it ties into so many other things, um, especially it, the culture piece. It's like, are you reflecting outwardly like what you really what your company really does value and wanting to add to your team people that have those same values that share that vision all the things and for some reason the job descriptions have just not been on the <laughs> forefront i think of a lot of companies minds i mean i think that it's great that you guys are looking at it truly charlotte because you know it encourages you know, it encourages me to hear other people that are thinking about it and talking about it because it has been one of the things in our you know we've kind of admitted that, you know, we needed a, a boost in technology several years ago, a boost in next gen, you know, coaching and development, you know, but we need a boost in, this is another thing that's been sitting kind of idle for mm-hmm. 10 years that I think we should kind of shake things up and, and get it moving in the right direction. This was a good first step. No, for sure. Great. No, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I just want to leave the audience too, with one final question that is your company doing everything to ensure that they reflect an accurate description of the roles at your company? You know, and and just reanalyze what your current needs are, and make sure that you know you're you're putting out there what you want to get back. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I thank you guys again too for a, a tremendous conversation because every time I'm on this as well, I learn so much. <laughs> And I, I hope everybody that's watching, uh, and I know they do, I, I get some feedback that they feel the same way. Uh, Charlotte, you fantastic, fantastic guest. Uh, thank you thank so you. much. Uh, I won't try to wink or whistle, but thank you. I would love it though, come on. Possibly an attempt at the whistle. No, I, it just I, it just sounds like I'm blowing air into the mic. It literally is like that, that's it. Can't do it. Becca and Nicole, thank you for everything you do. Uh, Blaze, you did an all right job hosting. <laughs> And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And it was a pleasure. We'll see you soon.